It's mid morning. The sun is out and the bird song is loud. We are near Herewaka Harbour Cone on the Otago Peninsula. We are on a walk with an award winning Dunedin writer and storyteller Neville Peat. Yeah, well I was born in Dunedin and I grew up at Mosgill when it was about a quarter of the size it is now. And uh, my father had a bicycle shop. Uh, we had no car, so I never ever got to in my formative years and uh, teenage years I never got to see what a national park looked like or any really any major um, wildlife area. So I've made up for that since um, by doing a lot of research and a lot of writing about nature. Neville has written about a wide range of topics covering history, environment and wildlife. Neville's work has taken him all around Aotearoa, New Zealand, the tropical South Pacific and all the way to the frozen wilderness of Antarctica. In this episode, we chat with Neville about the diverse range of landscapes and the little known plant and animal life of Dunedin City, which is the wildlife capital of New Zealand. We also hear about his favorite moments in the wild, which involves coming very close to a whale. You're listening to Tune Into Nature with me, Karthik. As a wildlife filmmaker, I've been fascinated by the sounds of nature and wildlife and the stories they tell us. In this series, we explore and connect with nature through stories and sounds from wild places. And I hope these stories inspire you to go out and enjoy nature in your own way. Dunedin is a compact city of about 100,000 people. With rolling forested hills on one side and the vast Pacific Ocean on the other, there are always gorgeous views in every direction. In the Maori language, the city is called Otipoti and the place is significant to the Maori people. The city itself is small, but the territorial area stretches out for about 3,300 square kilometers. This is slightly larger than the Rhode Island in the US and double the size of Greater London in the UK. Because of the sheer size, the landscape varies dramatically from wild remote beaches to alpine mountains. It's a UNESCO city of literature and is home to many renowned poets and writers like Neville Peat. The city of Dunedin is actually a big district of taking up about um, 10% of the province of Otago. And it ranges from the seashore uh, to the uh, inland mountain range of the Rock and Pillar, and so you can get uh, you can get habitats that range from dune lands uh, beside the ocean at sea level, right out to uh, grasslands and tussock lands and the uh, and the interior, and up to the boundary is actually running along the crest of uh, Rock and Pillar, one of the block mountains in uh, Otago. There are thirty species of plants and animals which are found nowhere else in the world but in this city uh, and they include 10 moth species, 6 beetles and 5 plants and one of those plants, most of them, uh, the 4 out of 5 are uh, to be found in the higher areas particularly uh, in the summits of, um, of the, the Rock and Pillar range inland of the city. Neville has published over 40 books and is working on his next one, which we'll talk about in a bit. His work has been widely recognized. 
In 2007, he received one of New Zealand's largest literary awards, the Creative New Zealand Michael King Fellowship to research and write a book about the Tasman Sea. To recognize his services to conservation, in 2018, Neville was appointed as a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit, which is one of the highest royal honors. One of his notable works that stands out is the Lark trilogy. So the Falcon and the Lark, the Sea Lion and the Lark and High Country Lark are all stories that are narratives. There're no photographs in them, which is unusual for me. <laughs> in these three books, Neville had explored a new angle of telling nature stories. They feature a mystical character, the Lark, which is a free-spirited creature that's highly tuned into nature. The easiest way to convey kind of the nature of a place is to tell a story about it use the narrative and use metaphor and use poetry even um to get your message across i mean it's almost you need to go to the mystical to draw on to explain what you mean and to and to try and connect your reader i asked nevel about one of his favorite wild critters the witter Uh, a form of a giant form of flightless cricket that lives in the um in the higher areas of the rock and pillar range about 8 cm long um typically brown its all uh, knees and knuckles uh with its legs it's a it's an insect and one of the largest ones in the world really the mountain stone vetta live under the sheltered rocks of alpine mountains at an altitude of about 1000 to 1500 meters and they are completely buried in snow during winter but the vetta have a super power to survive the subfreezing temperatures and they have a have a um a special hemolymph uh, a blood that uh, allows them to survive without freezing or well, they can actually freeze up but they can in the thaw uh in the springtime they will become uh, alive again and be able to move around yeah so it's like having antifreeze properties in your blood to protect yourself from freezing the mountain stone vetta can survive in temperatures like minus 10 degrees celsius or 14 degrees fahrenheit for about 17 days and when the sun is out on warm days the vetta can defrost and do normal activities like finding something to eat and it's one of the largest insects in the world to survive like this back on the walk neville is showing me around a regenerating forest with young native plants and trees he's been planting in this area along with the harbor cone trust and the community members we're just crossing this creek here and you can just hear the water this is about the natural kind of flow and uh it uh, comes out of springs further up the valley on the site so the harbor cone property 320 odd hectares has two main catchments this one and stewart's creek which runs into hooper's inlet have you seen any freshwater wildlife in this creek yes there's a, a quite a reasonably um healthy f- a native fish population here um um members of the whitebait family the banded kokopu here Uh, live in the stream along with some um bullies and um eels we're planting on the sides of the tributaries to this creek and in the hope of kind of maintaining its water quality and and um 
and it's all very much part of, I think, uh, looking after the ecological values. Further along on the track, Neville stops to show me a native plant. And this is associated with a rare native reptile, the jeweled gecko. Yeah, this is uh, one of the divaricating bush species, uh, which we've planted plenty of, actually, and they're an important um, part of the ecology here. Uh, so caprosmas uh, are a feature of the place, and um, we're trying to encourage uh, the maintenance of a population of jeweled geckos, which you find in various parts of the Targa Peninsula. We couldn't see the jeweled gecko during our walk. They are a pretty rare and an endangered lizard species found only in the South Island of New Zealand. They are about 9 centimeters in length and sport a fantastic green color with patterns ranging from stripes to diamonds in whites and yellows. They feed on the little berries of the coprosma plant and hang out on its bushy branches to get some sunshine. Yeah, their numbers are dwindling or have been dwindling, and um, but I think projects like this and other replanting, revegetation projects are helping give them, give them their habitat back. On his regular walks, Neville counts and records the bird species found around here, just to document how the native bird life is benefiting from the planting and conservation efforts. Kotari or kingfisher calling. Relatively common here. I record them on most of my bird weekly bird counts. Or... I asked Neville to share one memorable experience from his journeys in the wild. In 1998, I joined a sea lion expedition, research expedition, into the Auckland Islands in the subantarctic region. That was a very special kind of time for me because I was actually researching a book called Coasting about um, sea lions and their migration. So if you look at the map, the tiny bits of land in the southern Pacific Ocean between New Zealand and Antarctica are the subantarctic islands. We arrived in a in a 21 metre motor sailor boat and I'll never forget looking ahead as we were entering Port Ross which is at the northern end of the Auckland Islands group. Uh, we could see the, the plume coming from the uh, a southern right whale ahead of us um, and as we got a bit closer we could see there were a few more around including one rather large juvenile that was there. Port Ross is a long inlet flanked by land on either side. Southern right whales use these sheltered inlets to breed and to give birth. After seeing the whales, Neville and the team switch off the boat's engine and cruise along to see what happens. And what did happen was that the juvenile southern right whale came alongside us. And that was where the moment where, uh, as I was leaning over for a photograph, it blew its uh, uh, spout. what I would describe as uh, a form of hongi, if you like, of, of exchange of breath with a, with a whale. That's what I had, that experience. Very fishy breath too it was. <laughs> you know, it was expressing to me anyway the, the recovery of, of whales after their almost ex extinction in, uh, in this part of the world. Before we finish our chat, I asked Neville about his upcoming book. 
and the story is very relevant to the current circumstances. My my current uh, book project is uh, about islands which have been prominent in my working life as a journalist, uh, as an author, as a publicist, and they range from northernmost New Zealand Tokelau Islands uh, down to the Antarctic Ross Island. The point of the book is to say, you know, how we've evolved as a nation that's that has used islands to help protect its most endangered species and also islands that can teach us how to survive in a national emergency or a pandemic like we're experiencing now. I think uh, we can learn a lot from islands in, in terms of how we relate to nature, to natural resources and to each other. You're listening to Tune Into Nature with me, Karthik. If you like this episode, please share this with your friends and your network. And please rate the show and leave a review. We love to hear from you. You can do this in your podcast app or on our Facebook page, Tune Into Nature. This podcast is supported by Otago Regional Council's Eco Fund. Thanks to Otago Access Radio. Thanks to Professor Nancy Longnecker from the Center for Science Communication, University of Otago. Music for this podcast is from Blue Dot Sessions. This is Karthik signing off. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.